just when we thought we might be done for the season. We have one more. Well, we might have more because you never know what the summer is going to look like. But right now, we absolutely are excited to host this episode of the VanCast because we've got a special guest coming up. Vancouver Canucks head coach Rick Tockett is going to join Harm and I in the next segment. But before we get there, Harm, there have been a few notes and some other newsworthy items to pass along. And obviously, everybody knows the Canucks have signed Nils Hoaglander, but we haven't had a chance to react to that. A two-year deal, $1.1 million. Still enough that they can bury him in the minors if they want, but that's not going to be easy to do uh, given his waiver status and things like that. But let's talk a bit about uh, Hoaglander. I'll ask you about how your summer is going so far as well. But first, let's, let's talk about... Um, the newest re-signee for the Vancouver Canucks, a player that uh, a lot of people were excited about when Travis Green gave him an early opportunity. He had to spend most of last season in the minors, which wasn't really a surprise. You know, going into the season, I think a lot of us got the sense that that was going to be the destination for Hoaglander and that ultimately might be a good thing for him. Yeah, I like the deal. I like the fact that they got the second year done uh, as well because part of me was wondering if, because of the club's cap constraints, if they'd only be able to get a one-year deal done in terms of, you know, lowering the cap hit as much as they could to squeeze him under. And as a result, you can only get uh, one year of, of term out of that from the player's perspective. But getting the second year, I think, is huge because this coming season really is sort of make or break for Hoaglander. Again, he can't pass through waivers, so he has to be part of this forward group, whether it's in terms of making the everyday lineup in, let's say, a third-line role or or if it's as a healthy scratch. And so you're hoping that he can break out in some capacity, get back to the form that he showed in his rookie season. And if he can get back to that sort of level where he's able to pro- provide legitimate middle six value, especially at five and five, then that second year of that contract, ex- contract especially can be a significant um, bargain and down the road sort of puts you in a position where now, all of a sudden, it's a lot easier to move on from Anthony Bovillier, for example, whose deal expires at the end of next season. And now some of that money can be reallocated into more premium positions, maybe for going after a top four defenseman next summer, especially if uh, if if the cap uh, spikes a bit here. So I like the flexibility that the second year gives them. Of course, it would have been interesting if they went even longer. Obviously, that would have meant a little bit higher in the cap hit, but it would have been fascinating to see if they were simply going to bet on the talent and um, sort of see the player grow into the contract, kind of similar to what Montreal just did with Alex Newhook. But I think given how much of a glut there is in Vancouver with wingers and still some of the uncertainty around Hoaglander, and this is a new regime, not the one that drafted him, I think it's understandable why they uh, kept it to two years. Well, I mean, you look, it's a new regime, but I think they've got a sense of who he is. And I think it's a new regime that needs value, right? Like they need to find value elsewhere. You talked about, uh, you know, the cap implications or the flexibility it could give the Canucks if they want to move off of some guys. But let's let's talk about where you think he is as a player, because I think we both uh, expect him to spend um, a lot of time in Vancouver next year. And I think he really showed well in Abbotsford, especially in the second half of the season and going into the American Hockey League playoffs. I mean, I think... He's worked on some of the details in his game. There's alignment within the organization so that there's expectations that have been made clear to him. And uh, and I think he started working towards meeting those. Like, I, I think he's in a real position to succeed next season. And, you know, I, people talked about his, his defensive details, right, and, and puck management and things like that. And offensively, it's always a situation where, look, if you are going to produce, we're going to live with some of the mistakes, 
And I think he got to the point of being able to finish a year ago. Now, NHL-level finishing is a lot different than American Hockey League-level finishing. But I, I do believe he's in prime position to take that next step and be a meaningful contributor to this team. And I think you're going to wind up seeing him elevate in the lineup as the season progresses. Yeah, in the big picture, I believe in the talent. I mean, when you have a player that age 20 steps in as a rookie and can score 27 points in 56 games offensively, but then also from a two-way perspective, remember that he was playing in a matchup role on that Bo Horvat line with Tanner Pearson. That's a, a line that was going up against the opposition's best players. And yes, there were defensive warts, 100%, no doubt about that. But his ability to apply pressure on the forecheck, win battles, just the tenaciousness that he was able to show his wall work was really mature and advanced for his age at that point. If you're able to perform that well as a 20-year-old in the NHL, I can't help but believe that you're eventually going to figure it out. Now, it may not necessarily be next season, but at some point in his prime, I, I still really believe in him as a middle six uh, talent. And it's going to be interesting in terms of whether it can specifically work next season, because there are two perspectives or, or ways of almost kind of looking at it. Because number one is is that Hoaglander's quickness, how fast he can make life difficult for opposing defensemen when they're trying to break the puck out. Some of the wall work that he showed as a, um, as a rookie, the edge and bite that he has in his game, all those are qualities that I look at and... I'm like, wow, that should work really well with the North-South style that Rick Tockett wants to employ. But then the flip side of the coin is that Hoaglander's puck management and his defensive reads, in-zone defensive play, are can sometimes be so egregious that you can also look at that and go, man, that could instantly land him in the coach's doghouse. So We'll see how quickly he can learn those details. Again, I'm convinced he can do it long term in the big picture. It's just about whether he can instantly um, get it right and hit the ground running. Because next season, with the type of expectations that this club has, it's it's not a development year. This is a winning year. And so the pressure is going to be on him to um, to win a spot and show that he can be a responsible everyday player. Yeah, and when you look at what this club's top nine could look like, I mean, I think a lot of us were factoring going into next year, maybe not including Hoaglander or not including Tanner Pearson. And now all of a sudden, if both of those players are available, um, it, it could look significantly different, right? And uh, it will give them opportunity. I mean, you mentioned Beauvillier. We've talked about Garland ad nauseum. You know, is is Pod Colson ready to take that next step? But, you know, like, now there's some flexibility. Uh, there's some pressure. There's battles to be won. And, uh, you know, I think it bodes well for the organization. Before we get to Rick Tockett, um, I do want to get into um, an article that you had in The Athletic talking about Carson Soucy and his top four potential. Now, you know, we've, we've talked about how the Canucks did well by acquiring both he and Ian Cole. Uh, Soucy's got some term now at 28 years of age and where they might fit in the lineup. Now, Cole has had more top four experience or more top four success, right? You know, we talked about him playing in a matchup role with Chernak last year in Tampa for big chunks of the season. You know, they're talking about him flipping over to the right side and potentially being in a top pair role with Quinn Hughes, you know, and then Carson Soucy maybe being in a second pair role. And we'll talk about some of these combinations uh, and possibilities with, with talking when we get him on. But ultimately, Carson Soucy in the top four is a bit of a hope bet for the Canucks. What do you think? I mean, can they win it? What are the what does the data show? Yeah, well, I honestly watched a lot of tape and I was 
trying to get into that side of it. For starters, I think one big benefit is that a lot of defensemen sometimes when they have size, that's all they have in terms of their defensive sort of attributes. But with Susie, there's legitimately sound IQ. There's legitimately sound positioning. He doesn't chase the puck in wrong positions. He's somebody who is taking away passing lanes near the front of the net. So there's a baseline level of competency when it comes to his defensive reads that will make him successful in zone. I think the big, cons- I shouldn't say the big concern, the the one potential obstacle for him in terms of success in the top four role is that he's really limited with the puck, especially on breakouts when he has, when the opposition dumps the puck in and he has to turn around. And I'm not even talking about skating the puck out like Quinn Hughes or making a beautiful outlet pass. I'm just talking about getting to the puck first, winning the race and making a simple backhand shovel behind the net to your partner or a rim around the wall to your winger. Those are situations where it's like, if you can improve even 10 to 20% at being more poised in those situations, that improvement alone would allow him to level up as a bona fide top four caliber caliber player. Uh, But I don't, I didn't quite see it yet in terms of his, um, his time in Seattle. Right now, he sort of profiles as a really solid number five to me. And he's sort of in that in-between ground where it hangs in the balance in terms of he, he looks better than most third pair defenders and he should be competent playing further up the lineup. But he didn't quite look like a slam dunk, true talent top four guy yet. So uh, that's an area where I'm also curious to see what type of penalty killing impact he can have. Uh, because that's sort of unknown as well, because he certainly has the defensive defensive tools to be successful there, but is mostly used in second unit, unit role for Seattle. So uh, really interesting to dive into the tape. And honestly, there are still just as many questions as there are a- answers. Um, but again, pretty reasonable contract and um, an interesting bet for the next next season. And how do you think he potentially fits in playing alongside a player like Philip Ronick? Well, well, that's where the puck moving sort of um, limitations was like a question mark for me, because I can see a scenario where those guys work off of each other. But again, when I watched Ronick last season, he profiled as much more of a jack of all trades two-way defenseman rather than this dynamic puck transporter. And again, Hironic was most successful when he was on a pair with Ole Mata. And with Mata and Hironic, they had a pretty balanced share in terms of who would lead the defensive zone exits, who would who would take on the transition burden. That worked well for Hironic. But then when he played with Ben Sherratt, who was this physical stay-at-home defenseman, very limited with the puck, that's where Hronik had too much of the transition load on his plate, and that pair struggled in terms of their two-way numbers. So, again, I think this is where it'd be important. Like, Luke Shen is a perfect example of a, a defenseman who isn't the most agile, isn't the most skilled puck, but he went out and got an independent skills coach in Adam Oates, and he honed in on a lot of these little details. Again, it's not about making 20-foot stretch passes or, or skating the puck out. Uh, with the elusiveness or, uh, of a Kale McCarr, it's just about the small area, the five to 10 foot plays. And that's where Shen was really able to level up and take the next step. And it's like if Susie can hone in on that side of it, if he can just, again, improve 10% in that area, then all of a sudden I'm comfortable enough with his um, skill set that he and Rona can be successful as a, as a second pair. But uh, it's just something that we're going to have to wait and see how it uh, how it develops because right now it is a little bit of a question mark. All right, um, that'll leave us there. We'll take a quick break and then we will ask these questions of Vancouver Canucks head coach Rick Tockett when the VanCast returns. A reminder, my appearance on the VanCast is brought to you by my good friends at Key West Ford in New West. 
Back with Rick Talkett in a minute. We are delighted now to bring in the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks, Rick Talkett, joining Harmon Dial and myself here on the VanCast. Rick, thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, no problem. Love talking hockey. So we had a chance to, to get you in Vancouver. I know you're back home in Vegas right now, but you were in Vancouver for the for a development camp. And look, I, I know you didn't necessarily dive in. You let some of the development guys deal with most of it. But, you know, as a guy that's got to see what's ahead in this organization, what stood out to you there? To me, it's the skill level. I mean, I, I, I thought it was, you know, I've been in other organizations. I've seen other development camps. We're really well run by the staff. But, uh, yeah, I had nothing to do with it. I, that was all that. They did a terrific job. I would say the skill level. I was watching the drills uh, and watching ways guys handle the puck, the, the skating strides, um, the, the tools that some of these guys have is incredible. Um, I think that's throughout the NHL, the whole league. I think these young guys are just bringing skill levels to a different level than it's ever been um now 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 it's the game management right that's when you got to kind of see you know the, the hockey iq you know during a game that's really the next level you know how to how do you how do you apply that that skill into the game management of the game yeah and you know when you look at the Canucks situation i mean i, I know they're going to be hoping for a couple of those players to maybe not certainly be with the team this year maybe a player like akito hirosi but the majority of them are, are players that they're looking at um down the road uh, let's start with Akito. Just and, and I know there's bigger picture topics, but I just want to ask you about him because you had a chance to see him uh, at this event this week. And and I know that you were impressed with what you saw from the player a year ago in his limited sample size in Vancouver. What have you seen from him? And do you think he's a guy that's going to be able to legitimately compete for an opening night roster spot? Yeah, I, I think with him, it, it's you know, it, it's not like he has an unreal shot. It's not like he's a blazing skater. Um, he's you know, it's not like he's 220, you know, 30 pounds. But what he does have, he has a brain. Uh, his hockey IQ, for me, is um, is top level. That's why he's in. You know, that's why he's where he's at. And he's climbing that ladder. You know, whether you know he hits any games with us this year, I don't know. It's up to him. Hopefully, he has a really good camp um, and wherever he goes. But the one thing I will say, uh, what impresses me is his hockey IQ. Rick, looking at uh, the offseason, you guys had, of course, a, a big area of sort of emphasis. There was the back end and in Ian Cole and Carson Sudi def- definitely adding some guys with, with size and defensive IQ uh, with both of those guys. I mean, Cole was just playing top four minutes for Tampa, really good team over there. Susie playoff team in, in Seattle in a third pair role. Uh, how much do you think those guys can add to the, to the back end and how important do you think those guys will be as sort of complementary top four uh, guys, especially since you've got a couple of puck movers in, in Hughes and Hronick? Yeah, uh, good question. I, I think really what it comes down to it is they're puzzle guys. You know, obviously we have to shore up um, the PK. Um, these guys are PK guys. Um, also, you want to get solid guys in that room. You know, guys that that have some leadership qualities, which I think they all do. Um, and their hockey IQ, like I uh, said uh, with Hiroshi, they they have you know a really good um hockey IQ so that that's just going to add to our team you know in the AHL you you know you can you can't win the game in the first 10 but you can sure lose it sometimes because if your PK is not good you're not defending the puck very well it could be three nothing before you, you blink an eye so I think those three guys are really are, are glue guys puzzle guys not afraid to block a shot you know um no, knowing the time of the score I, I think uh you know you're up three to two 
make the right play. Um, you know, um, that's the sort of stuff that we want to bring in that room. Absolutely. And, and one of the areas I wanted to ask you about in terms of after the Horvat trade, there was some experimentation on the first unit of power play and trying to look at different looks because Bo had, of course, played such an important role in the in the middle there. Um, you guys experimented with different guys and, and going into going into next season, um, you're going to have to sort of find a sort of new answer or a different look there. Uh, for starters, just generally, would you prefer to have a left shot there just because it would allow the, the sort of... Um, the plays that you guys run to be sort of similar to what that group was already sort of running, running in terms of handedness and and second, who are some of the players that you might be considering in that, uh, in that type of role? Yeah, the the power play, and it's a, it's a trendy thing that all our uh, coaches are doing now. And I've talked to a few coaches, everybody's watching Edmonton's power play um, on their, on their software, trying to get some tips, what they are doing. Um, Obviously when you have a McDavid and dry um, you know, it's that's an outlier, right? Those guys are just on a on a planet by themselves. Um, for me, it's a lot of movement. Um, you know, I'd like to move PD around a little bit. You know, I always like to see Millsy move around a bit. Maybe Millsy would be in front of the net. Well, uh, depends on the other guy, other teams PK the way they PK teams that give that low play. Why not have a guy like Millsy down low? Where you know, it's, it's like a center in basketball, right? You, it's one on one. You give it to him, and he can take it to the net. That's no different uh, with the power play. Um, you know, you know, losing Bo. Obviously, he was one of the best, you know, better bumper guys in the league. He, you know, obviously, you know, I think he had eleven power play goals for the Canucks. He's really good. We got to find a bumper and a net front guy that um, you know, whether it's Kuzi and and Besser, those type of guys are going to compete for that job. Um, it, 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 it power plays that is about retrievals. It's coming up with loose pucks. It's it's being in front of a goalie uh, when the shots being taken. It's about you know making the play under pressure. So those are the the attributes that those guys have some tools that can that can supply it. But um, they know that they know the game. Um, if they're going to be out there, they got to come up with some loose pucks. It's just not about you know you're in your spot, you get your shot, and that's it. There's so much to more being a great power play. And you know if you look at Edmonton's. They have everything. Obviously, they have the great players, but uh, they come up with more loose pucks than any any power play in the league because they're always in constant motion and they have uh, they they make the right play under pressure. You mentioned Besser as a potential net front guy there. I wanted to ask you about Brock a little bit because you talked about him in the summer and there was so much debate last year about what was going to happen. You know, his agent had permission to look at a trade, and and then you said at one point, look, regardless of where he is, this is what he needs to improve on, and now he wants to stay. Uh, and you talked about the importance of the summer for him and other players. How involved are you, right? Like, how often do you talk to these guys? How do you, you know, do you talk to their trainers? Do you track where their summer progress is at? Because as you mentioned, it's going to be a, a very, very big year for Brock Besser in Vancouver. Yeah, great question. I, I think for me personally, um, you know, I, I, t- I don't talk to the players a ton. You know, you try to reach out you know, once a month or something just to, or you, you hopefully have a connection with a player where he'll call you and ask you something. I, I like that. Like I tell the players all the time, you're not bugging me. Like, you know, I don't care where I'm at. Um, I want to talk hockey and whatever you need from us. Our trainers are in contact with the guy's trainers. I know Brock had um, switched trainers. He was a, with a new guy. Um, and I actually kind of know him a little bit and uh, I've seen some really great results on him. Um, yeah. He's an interesting guy because I know Brock, there's another level there. Um, there's another level of, of, of good. De- I think if he plays a really good game without the puck, all that other stuff's going to come. You know, um, you know his wall work, obviously, his retrieval of the pucks, you know, helping out in the forecheck. 
I think there's another level there from him. Um, and that's what he basically told myself, you know, at our, our Ian meeting. He said, I got to come back and obviously better and stronger shape and be able to play in traffic and be able to come out of the puck, uh, come out of the, you know, the corners with the puck. Those are the things that if Brock can add another level, he could be a force for us this year. Can he skate well enough to do that? Do you think there's enough there, enough room there for him to take his skating to the level he needs? You know what? Um, I, the, the way I, I was an average skater, I, I, what I, I always thought of myself, you got, if you have a good hockey IQ and you anticipate, you look fast. You know, you know, we want to play a little more predictable. Um, we, every once in a while, I, I want guys to know where we obviously you want to be creative with the other team doesn't know what you're doing. Sometimes I get that part, but as five man units, you want to be predictable. And I think if Brock has a little more predictability in his game, knowing where to go, he, uh, he's, he knows the system. Uh, he's getting a grasp of it. You're going to look fast. I, I think, you know, I saw, ch- I saw Brock chase down an empty net. Uh, there was a loose puck for an empty net. I've never seen a faster guy. So it's there, you know, he can chase down pucks. Um, it's just to me that hockey IQ can really make you look faster. It, it really is. Big picture wise, uh, one of the things they're obviously trying to instill in this group is a sort of defensive mindset. And it's interesting when you talk to, let's say, a guy guys who've been on championship teams like Luke Shen. So commonly, what comes up is, well, our our team sort of evolved and took the next step and went from good to great when we started to take as much pride in our defensive play as we did in our offensive play. And it's interesting because I think everybody in the game intuitively knows that you should try to try and be as mindful about defensive habits as you should about trying to create offense. But why do you think it sometimes take takes time for younger players and in young, younger teams to to sometimes get it in terms of, um, you know, being as motivated to make the big play defensively as they are to score a big goal? Yeah. um, Well, it's game management for me. Like, uh, and you, you always, you know, it's a copycat league. So you're going to look at Las Vegas. I mean, I mean, Jack Eichel, uh, we watched some of those playoff games when it was three, three to two. I mean, he's down low mucking and grinding in his own end. And then, you know, he'd get the puck, make a play and then he'd get off. Like maybe the old Jack Eichel would take a, you know, he, he would gamble, try to, t- you know, they're up three to two, maybe take a chance. Oh, maybe I'll get a two on one. I'll, I'll, I'll cheat a little bit. I didn't see that from that team. Um, and that's the reason why they won the Stanley cup. Um, you know, that's experience. Um, you know, the best guy I ever coached, Sidney Crosby, had the, is the best game management guy I've ever seen. If he wanted to, he could get 25 more points a year, no question. If he wanted to cheat a little bit here and there, but he doesn't. And, um, you know, you look at his resume, you know, through why he's got, so what, three Stanley Cups is because uh, he's willing to do a uh, sacrifice for the team. So, yeah, playing without the puck, Game management is something that if you can have everybody buy in, um, yeah, you might sacrifice a few points here and there and your individual stats, but you're going to get the big hardware at the end if, if uh, you, you have that mentality. In an ideal world, and of course, understanding that the ideal scenario often doesn't play out in, um, in hockey, but for you, what would be going into next season, maybe the sweet spot for potential games played next season for Thatcher Demko? Because he's a terrific goalie, but the league seems to be trending in a bit more cautious direction about starters, his workload, and he's gotten hurt in uh, two straight seasons. Yeah, I, I, first of all, he, this guy works his is is butt off. Um, he, he trains really hard. Um, we have to be smart. we got to manage him. Um, you know, uh, the way we play him, obviously, you know, he's, he's, he, he's capable of playing five, six in a row. And that's not saying I'm going to do that. Um, you got to look at travel. You got to look at, 
you know, um, you know, days in between games. I mean, we, there's some stretches. We play a ton of games, uh, a lot of uh, air miles. And, you know, I'd be ludicrous if I'm going to play, uh, put Thatcher out there 90% of the time in that type of schedule. You know, that's just not prudent, not smart. That's why it's important that, our, you know, we, um, we get our backups in shape and make sure that they can give us some games. And also our team, uh, our team system play. Can we, you know, can we, we've not had the wear and tear. Do we have, where we making Thatcher playing post to post, you know, on back to back or not, he wouldn't play back to back, but on, uh, you know, games where he's playing consecutive games where the way we're the style we're playing, we're, he's got to make post to post saves. That's wear and tear on the goalie. That's when goalies get hurt. So if we can uh, lock that down, be really smart about Thatcher's uh, games, uh, look at the schedule. I think we can manage them really well. A couple of players I want to ask you about. Let's start with Nils Hoaglander, who the Canucks just extended to a two-year deal. Um, you know, it, it felt going into last year that he was going to have to do a lot to stay with the big club like he did two years ago. And so, you know, many people felt that was the best thing for him, get more development in the in the American Hockey League. Your good friend, Travis Green, gave him an opportunity here in Vancouver. And, and he excelled in that opportunity his first year. But, you know, things changed. What are your expectations of, of Hoaglander if he's going to stay with the big club? Uh, what are the areas he needs to improve the most? Well, the one thing I don't know him really well, I uh, went down to Abbotsford uh, three or four times to watch him play. The one thing I, I really uh, enjoyed watching him is, is forecheck. Like we, that's something we got to really get better at. We got to be a, a, a hard forechecking team. I think that's one avenue he could really help our team in. Can he be that first guy in the forecheck and cre- create havoc? Um, and then when he gets the puck is the puck decisions, right? Uh, you know, just from talking to Travis and and some of the people in our organization, you know, that's one, th- you know, whether it's a weakness is, is his puck decisions is something that he, you know, that's the reason why he went down. Maybe he could, uh, you know, get more experience in that. So if he can really uh, have another level of that with his puck management, um, but continue with the, the forechecking, being a real reckless ball out there. Like there's nothing wrong with that. So um, I want him to play reckless, uh, just maybe even a little bit more smarter with the puck. Um, but, you know, like I said, what I saw down in the AHL and and it, it's a good league down there. Um, uh, Jeremy Colton uh, thought he, his improvement from day one to the end was just a massive change. So hopefully he can continue that over the summer. The other guy I want to ask you about is Connor Garland. And, you know, there, he's another guy that's been mentioned as a player that potentially gets moved uh, if, if yeah. Vancouver, you know, needs to do that from a from a cap management perspective. But when you look at his five-on-five production, it's as good as anybody in the lineup. And you've had him before. Um, where's the right spot for Connor Garland to play in a lineup? And, and does he potentially get more opportunity next year if he is, is in fact, here on opening night? Yeah, you know he's a he's a he's a jack of all trades. I, especially when I was in Arizona, you, you can play him up and down the lineup. Um, you know that's the one thing I like about cars. You know you can play him. Uh, you know maybe he could take a first line role for for a short time. Uh, then you throw him on the third line. Can you put him with a couple of bigger guys? Uh, he can play the left side. Um, you know those are the things that like, he knows what he has to improve. He didn't like his year last year, uh, and it wasn't that bad. But uh, he you know he felt he has another level. Uh, I know he's training hard. Yeah. And you know, this league we're in, it's, you know, there's trade rumors There's always, you know, who's going in the, And I, I think he's, he's a pro, you know, he's blocked that out. I've talked to him the other, you know, I talked about two, three weeks ago. Uh, he's working on his shot. That was some, one of the things that I talked about at the end of the year. You know, we got to, you got to improve that shot. If you, you know, if you're going to play like a half on the power play, you know, you, you have to be a threat. 
So he's been shooting a million pucks this summer. That's the type of guy guards is. He's a professional. Um, so I would say he's the type of guy you play up and down the lineup there where you can play him in different situations. Watching the playoffs, there's definitely when you see teams like Vegas and, and Florida, you can see the heaviness that, the, that those teams sort of have, how they win battles, how they play along the walls, play on the inside, and especially as there's you know less time and space to make sort of skilled plays. And, and you sort of see the really see the value of those players that play with that lo- with that type of hardness. Um, Vasily Podkolzin is, is a guy who has that type of size and, you know, as a prospect sort of played that pit bull style of, uh, game a little bit in terms of unlocking his potential next season, uh, for starters, what did you learn about him in the time that you did have to work with him down the stretch? And, um, what do you think the next step is for, for his development and what type of potential he could have? Yeah, for, first of all, for me, is his work ethic is elite. Like, there's not there's not a guy that does a young guy that I've seen that works harder than that guy. It it's almost like you might have to we might have to back him off a little bit. Um, his work ethic is uh, uh, outstanding. To me now, it's it's about it's the game, the hockey IQ, right? Um, trying for him to understand, like scanning the ice, knowing the puck's going to come to me here in a couple of seconds, and now what's my next play instead of. You know, I think sometimes he, you know, he plays safe. Well, okay, now he gets the puck, and then he, now he starts to look at what's the next play. And in the NHL, it's too late. So I always tell him, you, you got to scan the ice. You got to know when the puck's getting you, you know, what's in front of you, what's behind you. You know, do I move my feet? Do I do I protect this puck on this play? These are just, you know, obviously these are millimeter second type of decisions. And I think that's what we got to improve him on. And I think that just comes with a lot of reps. Uh, practicing under pressure, you know, a lot of, you know, two on two drills with him where he can use his strength and skill, but also hone his uh, pocket IQ. So um, that's, that's the, our goal as a staff is to, I know the twins have really worked hard with them. I don't know. Uh, I didn't get a chance to work a ton with them, but this year I will. Uh, we have a great staff for that. Uh, Podsy's the type of guy, like I said, if he can add that bold in the China shop type of guy, hold on to pucks, you know, get get those goals around the net. I mean, you know, geez, that's going to add a huge puzzle to our team. How do you straddle that line between, I, I think this is a, a player who even going back to his time in the KHL seemed to be, like most prospects when they're coming up, they're playing top line and everything and they're used to being given the green line to create and, and make plays offensively. But um, again, even going back to his time in Rush, he was sort of limited in a fourth line role, had to play a safer sort of style. And I think, um, as he's tried to make the NHL graduation, it's um, it's been a process to, to try and um, get him to, to to be a little bit more assertive offensively and, and take more chances. How do you um, sort of strike that balance between you want a guy like that to continue to be more ambitious offensively um, because, you know, he has the potential and talent. But at the same time, um, a guy like that's probably also trying to be conscious and mindful of. Hey, if I you know start turning pucks over here or there, or if I make mistakes and I experiment, that um, you know I I I don't want to get benched and, and you know trying to draw that line. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great that's a, like whether it's a debate, it's something as coaches, uh, yeah, Chell, you know you get you know you get a young player that's a, a high draft pick, um, you know scored seventy goals in junior, and now you have him, um, and he's a good player, but is he? Is he ready for the top line? Um, and, and if he's not, you know, how, how do you use them? That's the hardest part is for NHL coaches, I think. So I always tell the young kids, like, yeah, if you're a huge scorer junior, you got to make sure you have other tools in the bag. You, if, because if you're not scoring, and it's going to happen. Like, you know, it's, it's a tough league to score. You know, it's not, 
it's not junior, it's not the American League in the sense that it's tougher to score. So if there is a rim to a, a, a puck battle, can you, your technique of using your body, um, you know, or being able to defend a puck or, you know, converting on a three on two, if you're the middle drive guy, you, you got to be good at those things. You get, make sure you don't, you know, you can't just rely on score, you know, yeah, I'm a scorer and that's it. You got to have those other attributes in your game as the process comes you know for that player to get better and better so yeah for young guys for me it's like make sure you have other things in the toolbox it can't just be hey i was a great junior scorer uh yeah but you know we it's not about scoring all the time it's about the other things and i think that's why a guy like podsy if we can get those little things and and, and elevate his game those little things he'll just add so much to our team i think you also wanted to see some little things from kuzmenko and he was a guy that got a pretty good opportunity alongside Pedersen thrive there but then at the end of the year you, you know you, you buried him a bit we would joke from time to time that he's in talk it's doghouse uh, just you know w- what does he need to do to be that player I mean he consistently produced when he played alongside Pedersen but the way Petty, Petey's playing it's such a high level that it's it's kind of hard not to produce alongside of him right now where's the next level in Kuzmenko's game yeah no listen he, he had a terrific year I mean he's a, he's a terrific young guy he, he, I mean Kuzi's 27 and He'll tell you, you know, he's never, you know, he's never, it's a different, the league's different. He hasn't trained, um, he's trained differently in uh, in uh, Russia. Um, he's obviously scored an outrageous shooting percentage. Um, you know, to duplicate that, that's going to be really tough. So I just wanted to make sure that he, he, he can be ready for this year. Like, I, I think he can be in better shape. I think he can be better without the puck. Um, I, I, know, I don't never take his creativity away. Uh, hash mark down when he has the puck. He's uh, he's incredible. It's uh, it's the other parts of the game. If we're going to go somewhere, um, be successful, you know, he has to take a little bit more of that other game um, for us, um, especially if he plays on a top line. You know, if, you know, he's playing with Petey. You know, he's going to have to participate on that forecheck. He's going to have to be that number one guy in there loose pucks. Um, you know, other coaches are smart. They're going to put other guys against that line. So I got to make sure that whoever plays with Petey um, is going to help him forecheck. And and I can't have Petey playing, you know, playing both sides of the corners defending too. You have to help out. So I think it's a, uh, it's just trying to round out his game. And I think really this is a big summer for Kuzi coming in really good shape. Um, but like I said, I mean, how can he argue with his uh, shooting percentage? It was outstanding. Yeah, no doubt. And before we let you go, the last guy, I mean, I can't have you on this show and not ask you about Elias Pettersson because uh, certainly his contract status is a big topic uh, amongst Canucks fans. Everybody wants to see that extension get done. You've, you've coached guys like Sidney Crosby. You've seen what the best of the best looks like. What's the ceiling? And I, I, I don't want to put you in a position where you make it even harder on your own management team, but what's <laughs> the ceiling for Elias Pettersson? Yeah, I, I I think there's a I, I you know I'll probably get in trouble. There is another level. Like and he knows it. Like when I talked, I talked to P two weeks ago. I mean, he's been a, I mean, he's already been skating a bunch of times already. Like he wants it so bad. He wants the, the he wants the win so bad. So you know if he's he's willing to hey if I, I got to play the other side of the power play or if I got to if I got to go check this centerman tonight, he's willing to do that. That's the next level for P two. He won't wants to he wants to inspire his teammates you know that's one thing that, that uh, i always tell you you can you can inspire a whole room the way you play the way you practice um you know obviously getting 100 points last year uh and what he did for uh for even you know some of the guys that played with him uh elevated their game 
that's the sort of stuff we're going to need from PD. And he wants to, and the, and the one thing with PD for me is he, he's, he's taking a bigger chunk of the leadership role. Like, you know, he's just not putting his equipment on, leaving and going. Now he's, he's talking more. He wants to talk more about systems. Maybe he'll knock them. Hopefully this year, knock them out. Hey, talk, let's, maybe we should try this on the power play. These are the, that's the next level for PD. Putting yourself out there, not being afraid to be an extension of, to the coaching staff. Like, um, that's another thing he's, but that's what, you know, that's for me to empower him. And I want him to have that, that, um, dialogue with him where he's got, he's got to say and where we're going quickly though. You, you mentioned leadership. Is it important that a captain be named this year? You know, I think everybody, you know, that's the big million dollar question, right? Everyone feels that we should have a captain. I don't know. Like this is something we've talked. Uh, we're probably gonna have another talk here in a couple of weeks with, uh, Jim and Patrick and our coaching staff. Um, we have, like I said, quality guys that really want to take a big chunk more. Um, I've seen a bigger, I, and I was only there three, what, four months. Uh, Quint Hughes was outstanding the way he um, stepped up, the way he put himself out there in the locker room, the way he talked, and the way he's talked to me, um, to be honest with you. He's, he shared some stuff to me that leaders do. And uh, he's not he's not afraid to be vulnerable. So, um, you know, you got Mills. He was, he was taking a big chunk uh, in that role, too. So there's there's guys there. It's just a matter of us, you know, trying to figure it out. And uh, we'll see where, where it plays out. Well, Rick, I want to thank you for uh, spending a few minutes with us here in the summer. I'm sure you'd rather be on the golf course than talking to Harm and I. But uh, thanks so much <laughs> for doing this, my friend. Yeah, I don't want to be golfing anymore. I'm tired of the four-month golf. And I, I, I rather that the two-month golf season. So that's what we're working on. There you go. I don't care about my golf game right now. Thanks so much for doing this. Anyways, I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, we'll see Thanks, you again man. in August. Okay, guys, thank you. And his Canucks head coach, Rick Talkin, joining us here on the VanCast, enlightening us with a few things. Harm, I know you're busy. you got to go, but uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you again later this summer before we get training camp started. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, uh, I mean, you know me, it's still July, so I'll just be crushing more uh, NHL uh, game tapes. So that's... Um, you know that that's the most on-brand thing as possible. While you know Drancer uh, is on the beach till uh, till August, then we'll uh, switch uh, switch sides there, and uh, I'll be free. Well, as long as Drancer keeps his shirt on, I'm fine with that. <laughs> um, anyway, listen, uh, that was fun. I'm glad we got a chance to talk to Rick before we uh, before we wrapped up. And again, you know, if you're a VIP, we we will be back at some point this summer as news requires. We will react. Uh, so we we're not going to sit here and tell you this is our last show, but in terms of regularly scheduled shows. Um, we, uh, you know, early in the week, we've tended to do these every Monday or Tuesday. We, we're not going to uh, guarantee that for July and August, but as long as there is news, we absolutely will react to it. If you're looking for other hockey options on The Athletic, The Athletic Hockey Show has hockey fans covered with breaking free agent news team previews uh, all summer long. Eric Stevens joins Rob Pizzo and Joe Smith on the Wednesday roundtable to talk Ducks and Kings. Meanwhile, you can get a new subscription to The Athletic for just $2 per month for 12 months when you visit theathletic.com slash bandcast. Again, we want to thank Canucks head coach Rick Tockett for spending some time with us. Uh, we're looking forward to the rest of the summer. For Harm, I'm Farhan. Thanks for tuning in.